Welcome to Beer and Gear with Felix and Wes. Brought to you by Highway Marketing. It's beginning to feel like to me that uh, that really I just get paid to drink every day, which is uh, it's not necessarily a terrible way to live. But uh, again, my liver might right. be <laughs> after the pandemic and then going into this. You know, it might be an extra uh, extra little bit there. So, guess Word. I'll. Speaking of, I guess I'll I'll start off on the uh, the beer thing. So I am starting with a. Uh, legal draft out of uh, Arlington, Texas. I always try to do the Texas beers. This is the Chief Justice Stout, uh, which was the legal draft was something that uh, my boss actually mentioned to me uh, either it was either today or yesterday. Again, I drink a lot, so I can't tell. I can't remember which one, but uh, I'm going to start with that one. And then my second beer of the day uh, will be a uh, Hot Stove Porter from uh, Texas League, which is, again, another Texas beer. So there you go. There's my beer for the day. Felix, what you got? Dude, I almost got the legal beer today. Oh, yeah, really? I don't know why. I just kept going, and I have a friend that's been telling me about about this beer for quite a bit, and I saw it, so I picked it up. It's Delirium Tremens. So it's a Belgium L. Um, My friend was like, it won best beer in the world, like – um, like 12 years ago or something like that. Hmm. Then another friend told me, you either love it or hate it. You know, I don't know crap about beer and I've been yeah. learning. So I, I asked friends to tell me what to pick. So um, I might hate it or I might love it. I don't know. So what are you drinking, Anthony? I am drinking essential water. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you drinking water right now? <laughs> I'm drinking water because I lost my driver's, my wallet, and uh can't go to the store to actually pick up beer, so got some water. Next best thing. It's like 90 degrees in LA today, so water there makes sense. There you go. Awesome. Wow. Well, well, we'll do the drinking for you. By the way, this is delicious. My friend was right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I should have gotten more, but he has like 8.5 alcohol volume, so that might be the only one I drink. I do well, eat with my family. <laughs> that that's my problem is I only like really like stouts and porters and all that stuff. So I always end up with these every time we do these things, I'm like, you know, an eight plus alcohol content on the on the beers that I drink. So you'll have to you'll have to excuse me, Anthony, if by the end of this I'm not making any sense. But you know, that's yeah, part of the fun of these that'll things. That'll get right? you where, where you need to go. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so Anthony, we started this this uh podcast uh recently and I've told your story before the podcast. Um, I think I met you. And then the day after I told people about our conversation, because um, it was the yeah. coolest conversation at NAMM um, that I had. And yeah. it wasn't even at the NAMM show. And I've told people in the podcast and I hung up, finished an interview once and I text Wes. And I'm like, dude, I keep talking about this guy. Why don't we just call him and bring him on? So, uh, yeah, I, I met you uh, outside the NAMM show. You gave me a ride. And we talked about just random small talk because it's really awkward being in somebody's car. And you start throwing terms like uh, wireless workbench and D-Live. I'm like, dude, what do you do? (laughs) And then you start telling me what you do. I'm like, ah, this dude has a resume. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, man. So you're a sound guy. You do front of house or monitor? Both. Both more so monitors these days for like the maybe maybe like the past four years has been primarily monitors. Good right. man, good man. But yeah, I prefer I prefer front of house. But <sighs> man, come on, <laughs> ex monitor yeah, guy here for many years. So it's the best I side mean, of the just, snake. You don't man. get that feeling. <laughs> you don't get that that rush that you do at uh, monitors like you do at front of house. Just being in the middle of it all in the crowd. You're more yeah. so focusing on the ear, so. Yeah, I, I would argue that you know what you're doing on that side of the snake is is the most important side because if you're not doing your job right, front of house is gonna have a bad day, man, <laughs> a oh. very bad day. I totally agree. I totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah. 
Wes has a war against front of house people. It's <laughs> not a war, man. It's just we're better. I mean, you know, objectively better. No, I, I, I do a lot of front of house, too. It's just uh, that's my preferred side of the snake because I feel like I'm connecting with the musicians and like I'm yeah. part of the show a little bit more than the isolation. But I get what you're saying. When you're out there and you feel the crowd go, oh, you know, and you feel that that rush of the crowd you're just like i did that you know or oh i was god that, you know so <laughs> what, um, so who are you man where when let's just go back in time how do you get into into the business ah, man uh crazy enough so i actually started off as a songwriter i wanted to be a songwriter and um my first introduction to like the studios were worth like heavy hitters um and like Harold Lilly, who wrote like a lot of hits for Alicia Keys, mm -hmm. um, the underdogs who at that time like were producing for Chris Brown and everybody else. And so to be honest, it was like really overwhelming because I felt like those people could could write and vocal produce and arrange, and I didn't have those skill sets. So I thought that I wouldn't have as much success as I would have wanted to have but I fell in love with the engineering side of the studio process. And so um, at the time I had just joined a new church and it was like a, what's, what's considered like a mega church. And they had like full production. Like a, at the time it was a, a SD five. Um, it was just like a, actually it was an analog Allen and Heath and they later on upgraded, but yeah, it was, I don't know. It was a new world for me. And so um, I learned in church, that church for maybe five years. Right. And then um, a lot of the musicians at the church play for different artists. And so I would just hang out at the rehearsals or try to tag along. And the more people saw me, the more they associated me with engineering. So it's like, oh, I have this tour coming up. Are you able to, to do a tour? Sure. And then <laughs> like the rest is kind of history. But it all started from me being in the studio as a songwriter and then spending spending time at church like whenever the church doors are open i was there just soaking it all in and um learning whatever i could so i was able to make a lot of the mistakes at church versus on the road mm -hmm. so yeah, there seems to be a common thread amongst a lot of engineers in the fact that wherever they come up you know it's they were always there, right? So they were putting in the extra effort. They were they were there when they didn't have to be there because they were learning more about the gear or they were taking care of things or they were just, they were available and showed that they cared, you know? And that seems yeah. to be a common thread with a lot of guys. It's that, that, you know, dedication to making sure that everything goes the way it's supposed to go and, and you know, wanting to learn. And that seems to be a, a, everybody that we've talked to and, you know, all my friends that I know, it's that common thread. And I can relate to your thing about do it, the studio thing because that's how I started too is being in a band and going into the studio and looking around and being like, I love recording in here, but I want to push faders and I want to know what all that rack gear does and that's super cool, you know, like I, I really got the bug from that too so I can relate. And you were in yeah, LA still, that whole time. Yeah, You're from LA over there. Born and raised in LA. In LA. Right yeah, on, born and raised. One, one of the few. The unicorn. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so I grew up in um, grew up in Inglewood. Moved around a little bit, but um, yeah, born and raised, man. Hmm. Good, good. Who was your, What was that first tour? Nico and Vince. <laughs> All right. They had a big song. Uh, called in my wrong so yeah we did that um so what size yeah. tour was that was that like a if it was a big song was it like a theater tour were you doing yeah kinda... pretty much theater tour yeah but it was fun um but even with that even though i had worked uh within the church setting i still feel like i got thrown in the fire because with each venue i mean as you know they're mm -hmm. all they're all unique and the system is different so it was a learning experience, but um, was that a? I think if, if I hadn't toured, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't be in the same position because I, I only knew one desk, so I was able to learn mm. different desks at the different venues and 
just broadened my scope like a lot, a lot more. So, so it was PA de jour on that, on that tour. Usually the theaters are, but you know, that's yeah. Yeah. Just the, whatever's in there is man, that was trial by fire. I bet. <laughs> yeah, it was different, but I appreciate the experience. So it, it was fun. So how long were you out on that one? Gee, that was, uh, Yeah, about three months long. Um, I did a lot of networking while on the road. Like I make sure to to uh, be pleasant, especially to the to the house engineers. I know it's a it's difficult for everybody involved. Everybody starting to get on the same page. So um, I made a lot of connections on the road, and um, yeah just be pleasant and open like management and different and other artists that that manager manages. Um, so it was good. Yeah. Management is always fun. Um, <laughs> what was instrumentation like with that tour? Um, by the way, you say, am I wrong? And immediately the song popped in my head. So I'm, I'm Oh, we lost him. Hmm. Oh no, this is the first time. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> We're back. I think. I'm so glad we have beer right now. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have audio yet. Oh, you're muted there. Can have fun editing this one. Oh, we should leave it, man. It's 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 life. It's there we go. Yeah, there we no go. No business, man. <laughs> yeah, it's there live. We go. Yeah, it's there live. we go. Yeah. So, I, was say, I was saying that you said, am I wrong? That was, that, that was actually, yeah, that was actually cool because it's just a DJ. Okay. Um, as far as instrumentation goes, DJ and, uh, and, and two vocalists. But I think I, I probably needed that versus a full band. So especially just being thrown in the fire. Um, it kind of helped me like ease my way into things. Yeah. What, yeah. what kind of crew did you have, uh, out there? Was it just you or you and a monitor guy? What was it? Yeah, just me. Wow. I was, uh, I was doing front of house. So I pretty, pretty much like took time to go on stage, set up their, set up their monitor mix and then went out to front of house. Um, but yeah, it was just me. Wow. That's a tough gig, man. Yeah. Were they running ears or wedges on that one? Uh, we were actually doing ears on that one. Good. Yeah. So ears. Uh, for the most part, a lot of the artists they still like their side fills and it's a little bit of wedges, but I prefer a quiet stage if I'm on monitors. Just do ears, especially if there's a full band. Yeah, I agree. So, what was your next gig after that? Um, and after that, um, Marsha Ambrosius went out with her. Um, yeah, from there, worked with the internet, uh, worked with a lot of spot dates, um, Tyrese, Jamie Foxx. Did the Sunday service with Kanye West. Um, How was that one? Because the little bit I saw, it looked massive in terms of instrumentation and just energy. Um, yeah, we had, I mean, just instrument-wise, we had over 60, almost 64 inputs just with instruments when we initially started. Yeah, so you talking... 20 plus drums, keyboards, bass, guitar. Uh, so yeah, the instrumentation wise, it was it was pretty massive. And then vocalists, there was about 150 vocalists, so it was a lot. Jeez. <laughs> but uh, yeah, one 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 cool thing about that gig, I would say, it pushed pushed my limits. Because ordinarily, like, as Salmon, you know, we're used to saying, no, like, I can't do this, or this is too much. Um, 
this isn't feasible. But like he he pretty much just said, make it happen. I don't care how it happens. And then once it happens, you're like, oh wow, like it actually worked. <laughs> so now, like my perspective is, I'm not I'm not as quick to say no. Um, I'll do all the can to make to fulfill the quest of an artist, but I'm not as quick to say no because of that experience. Gotcha, gotcha. How it it was a church gig, but it was also Kanye gig, and you were touring. How how did it compare to your church uh, background? Like, like was it? Did it feel like a traditional? Did it work like a traditional church gig, or did it work more like as a pop gig? Um, That's a great question. Uh, it felt, I'll say it felt like church at times, um, maybe because of like the, like song selection or just the, the energy at that time. So like, for example, uh, for example, Coachella, we did Coachella like that, that felt like a church experience only because you literally have like 50,000 people out there that are like worshiping and it kind of at times it turned into something that maybe you didn't expect or went uh, went like more spiritual than mm -hmm. you would have expected but as far as how, how we approached it it was kind of like full out pop like production you know like it was really, there was a big emphasis on um, production aspect and yeah, God but it didn't. But the way the the way that my my churches are the way the churches that I'm used to working, it's it's like heavy on production as well. So yeah, it didn't it didn't seem that that much different. I mean, if you're setting up setting up the the gear or like running the inputs just you're gonna approach it the same you're not gonna give like any more or less than you would you know gotcha. yeah gotcha. yeah can, we make a, can, can i make can i make a quick suggestion for technicality um since we, we we're having issues on on our end a little bit can you stop video um it might help with bandwidth on uh to get audio only from you yeah it's cutting off a little bit a little bit of glitching on the audio side my video Yeah, if you could just stop video and go to just audio, I think that'd help with bandwidth. There we go. How's that? We'll see. Or yeah. we'll hear. <laughs> yeah, we'll hear, actually. <laughs> so I get that on the on the church side of things. You know, that's there's what what you would call mega churches, you know, where we are, that's the production level is you know, stellar. I mean, it's, it's full on, you know, and, and I've had conversations with some other friends of mine in the production world that, you know, back I'm old. So back in the day you came up through the club scene that was, you know, you did club dates and you worked your way up as house gigs and you hopefully worked at that cool club where the, you know, up and coming bands would come through and they'd pick you up and you'd go out on tour from there. Now it seems like anybody coming up is, is, guys coming through the, the churches because they actually have production and this full level of thing. And it feels like sometimes that more people are coming from the, the church market and going into the touring market than coming up through the club scene, you know? Yeah. Cause another thing, uh, when you're not touring, a lot of the engineers go back to their churches like myself. Um, and we'll stay there while we'll like between spot dates between tours like that's that's the training ground and that's uh that's your job <laughs> yeah training grounds right you know that's it seems like you learn so much in that that church production side yeah absolutely you know i mean i'm i'm blessed because like my church has a top of the line gear like we have the sd consoles and the jizzigo sd consoles and high-end microphones so i'm able to translate that onto other gigs outside of the church. What were you using on Kanye's uh, gig? Oh, man. Well, initially we were 
we were going with the D live mm -hmm. and from there he wanted more of a rustic like <laughs> natural sound so we ended up using the heritage we went backwards so we were analog like with all those inputs and it was in fun heritage heritage is my favorite console again i'm old so there you go yeah yeah, so we went from Heritage, and then they realized, okay, we need to be more efficient, and um, we end up going to the SD7s. Mm. But, yeah, that Heritage, that was, a, that was fun, like, especially when it when it got hot out or <laughs> having mm -hmm. to lug that thing around. You know, you have to be really delicate. Well, yeah, you wouldn't have those those heat shutdowns like, you know, you can't open up your MacBook when you're when you're doing something in the heat and it's going to thermal. But, you know, that that big purple dinosaur is going to just keep going. Yeah, man. You might not be able to touch it, but it's going to keep going. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So while we're on the subject of, of gear, we do, you know, this is kind of where we go with this. So. You, uh, what, what's before we go there? Like, like, what are you doing currently? What's your, what's your current gig du jour? Sounds like you do have kind of a du jour thing going on. <laughs> yeah. I was actually, uh, texting Felix the other day. So I'm working with, uh, Jojo, female R and B artist. Um, working with Jodeci, uh, Pink Sweats, mm -hmm. who's another R and B artist. I saw Pink Sweat at South like, by Southwest actually, and I was like, "Whoa, this is amazing!" Like immediately. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Pink Sweat's is cool, man. So those are uh, pretty much the primary artists that I'm kind of have in rotation. So um, yeah. So onto the the gear question. What? Uh, so I assume you're doing front of house for those gigs. What What is your console of choice? Not necessarily what you you're using on those gigs, but what is your console of choice? Given you know the the kind of thing that you do. My console of choice is the Digico SD12. Mm -hmm. I like it because um, I don't know. I'm just it's just easy to navigate. It's not, it's not too big to the point where it takes up a large footprint. So on a lot of the gigs, I'm able to to bring it in, and um, I like how you can really like fine tune frequencies and kind of like really dig in, um, especially with the the multi-band compressors. So preamps are great. I like the effects. So that would, that will probably be my console of. Are you a so are you a waves guy? I'm not, to be honest. Um, I tried to get into waves, but a friend of mine, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you may know him, Kyle, Kyle Hamilton. He's mm. like, I shot engineers Janet Jackson and everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so he 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 kind of got me in the habit of staying away from the waves. And really getting to get it to the point where I can get my parameters straight. Um, and waves is more so like an enhancement, not my, not like a backbone of, of my mix, you know? Yeah. Well, so, anybody, that's had a wave, yeah. <laughs> anybody who's had a wave server crash in the middle of the show knows uh, it, it's, it can be difficult if that's the, that's the backbone of your show. But it, yeah. it happens. And on top of that, if you don't if you don't know how to uh, what am I trying to say? If you if you don't know compression and if you don't know how to really manipulate the dynamics, then on the on the desk itself, then or you don't know the the full extent of it, then it's like the the waves. If you're just plugging in a preset, that's not helping you, you know. It's not making you be a better engineer. You're just using presets or whatnot. So it, it helps to really know how the how the dynamics work and how the EQ affects the input. Yeah, fundamentals. You know. Yeah, instead of depending on a, a plug-in, <laughs> a yeah. cheat code. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of fundamentals and there's, there's something to be said for that. You know, uh, the, uh, again, I keep going back to the, I'm old thing, but you know, when, when you're doing analog, there was a, you understood how signal flow worked and where you had to kind of understand that those fundamental things. And, you know, that allowed you to be able to break some of the rules and everything, but there wasn't a whole lot that, you know, that you could do, uh, there were some tricks and things, but it, now with digital, it's, it's the same signal flow, but you just have infinitely more things you can do to manipulate that signal flows. But knowing the basics allows you to understand how all that works. And, you know, slapping 20 plugins on a channel is, is obviously breaking one of the basic rules of gain structure. So, you know, right. there's, there's certain things that, that you need to understand and, there's been plenty of times where you know I'm mixing the first band uh, you know on a on a tour and uh, you know they they have, the headliner has a they do their sound check and it sounds like an MP3 or it's this squashed tiny little thing and then I walk up there and I'm like okay give me a fresh scene and immediately everybody in there is just like why does it sound so much bigger it's because I don't have 18 plugins on every single input you know right. I'm, one th <laughs> I, I'm using a compressor and an EQ. You know, and maybe a gate, yeah. and, and I'm I'm gold. You know, yeah, absolutely. But. There you go. Which one are you going for? Uh, that's the second one. That's the uh, Texas League. There you so. go. You already finished off the first. I told you I'm a drunk. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, Anthony. Here's what we're doing. We're trying to uh, we trying to get to an intervention moment so we're documenting um so when he goes you in denial we show that. him like here you go <laughs> it's all documented. yeah you keep saying that man it almost feels like it's true um funny. how was uh last year for you man um pandemic hit you i'm sure your plans changed to some degree um, oh yeah i had like the whole year booked and i was so excited because well, coming into 2020, I also do a lot of, uh, like, celebrity uh, events and corporate events in town, like, locally. And, and so, well, let's talk about that because that's different. That's different because with those type of events, you're setting up the audio around the, uh, de around the design of the – Whatever, whatever the designer has vision and vision for that for that space, mm -hmm. versus like a venue where the audio is the main focus, you know. Mm -hmm. That's that's been interesting. But um, anyway, so yeah, I did like I ended I ended 2019 working with like John Legend, uh, Willow Smith. I did parties with Dr. Dre. I did New Year's Eve with Jay Z and Beyonce. So, like, I was on a high. I'm like, 2020 is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. And then the world <laughs> shut down. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, but it, it actually turned out to be pretty cool because I was always, like, on the go. And what it taught me was to have, to have more balance. So I was actually able to sit down and breathe a little while, um, go back to, like, some of my hobbies, like playing tennis or – uh, yeah, sleeping, <laughs> spending time with family. So, yeah, it was it was it was actually it was a great year. So financially, I was in a good position to where I had put money away, and um, the fact that I I have my my audio company under an, an LLC, I was able to take advantage of like the PPP and the yeah. SBA loans. So, yeah, so I was able to sit back and relax a little bit. Um. And I got, got got heavy into doing music videos and things that I could do virtually. But most importantly, it just I was able to appreciate having having balance. That's, that's interesting. A common, that's a common denominator we hear in a lot of the guys, even the ones that weren't as lucky to have a a, a finances taken care of prior to it. They all go back to it was great to take care of health, sleep, and be able yeah. to connect with family and yeah. things like that, which is something we all tend to forget about very easily when we've been uh, going. There are certain sacrifices that you make to for this job, 
you know, and uh, it's up to every person oh, yeah. to decide where that line is, you know. But you said something interesting about the the corporate side thing, and I want to touch on that a little bit. Um, you know, a, a lot of people in the engineering world uh, kind of look down on that that corporate thing, you know, because that's not the that's not the big gig, that's not the you know, like, it, but you can certainly do big shows. I mean, you just said right there, like eight names that any touring guy would, would kill to be able to work with, you know, and that's through, through the corporate world. You know, I, I, I can attest to that as well. Like some of the biggest people that I've worked with have been corporate events, you know, and you're still yeah. doing those gigs. It's just, it's a, a morning to afternoon gig in, you know, for the most part when you're doing corporate as opposed to a afternoon to next morning gig, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's it's yeah, something people that, think like I have to go on tour. They think I have to go on tour or have to fly across the country. But there's a lot of things that if you connect me, um, a lot of the uh, event planners outsource these audio companies to to service the artists that that will come to these private events. So and the company that I'm with, like we do some pretty big things. So. I appreciate it and I'm able to stay in town. So that's, a, that's another plus. Yeah. Yeah. You're home with your family. You know, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah, buddy. Now I saw one of the things you did through last year in social media, I think Instagram, you posted some pretty badass pictures and video of a band. And I, if I remember correctly, it was some type of pool of water, body of water with, Oh yeah. Cage islands and musicians were in different islands and it looked amazing. I need to send you that, Wes, so you look yeah. at it. It <laughs> sounds really cool. Yeah, that was cool. So that was uh I got a call to do a music video. So I did a lot of music videos last year. Um and even a lot I'm working on a lot this year, but it was like a, a spot in like the middle of nowhere that just had this huge pool and apparently like they they outsourced that for video shoots and uh, music videos and whatnot. But yeah, that was a cool space. It was an artist by the name of, uh, I think it was Gallant or Gallant. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. I had to actually get my feet wet. When I got the call, the uh, producer, he said, make sure you bring swim shoes and, uh, and swim trunks. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? He was serious, though. <laughs> That's a weird gig, man. <laughs> You're standing yeah, in water like... touching electronics. Yeah, yeah, right. You have to All be right. very careful. <laughs> a weird gig. <laughs> Do I sign a waiver or <laughs> was that weird? Right. <laughs> was that a pun? Waiver? Yeah, that was cool. Oh, I see what you did right there. Yeah, there you go. Blinking. <laughs> 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 so what what have you got going forward you know we we talked about what your what your current gig is like what's the what's the thing that you're trying to 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 push into is there some new thing that you're wanting to break into i know that COVID has caused a lot of a lot of people to kind of reassess and and you know do things a little bit differently is there something new that you're working on or are you trying to push forward like like what's going on what's what's in your future man yeah so actually it's funny that you asked because um i took last year to get my real estate license the downtime i took that to get my real estate license and just got my first listing today huh. so i'm pretty excited about that that's, so that's, um that's interesting i'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to push the rip yeah, I'm. I nerd out on on uh, on investing in, in real estate. Huh. So that's always been a passion of mine. So I just took time to actually take advantage of it. Because hmm. I mean, you can go on the road for, let's say, let's say you're on the road for a month. I mean, you may make, I don't know, ten to twenty thousand, and I can stay home and on one deal, I can do the same thing. <laughs> So is that something that, that COVID has kind of shown you is that maybe, you know, moving, diversifying, I guess, is a good way to put that is, is the way that, that you feel like your career needs to go. You need to have multiple 
you know, revenue streams uh, as opposed to just being a, a production guy? Well, I've always felt that way. Um, I mean, that's actually how I, I met Felix. I had like some off days, so I would drive with Uber. <laughs> like I'm, I've always been about just staying busy and um, having multiple streams of income. So even if it's not engineering, like <clears throat> I've done work as a tour manager or production manager. Mm-hmm. So somebody's going to hire me one way or the other. You, you're going to hire me. It's not going to be just, this is all that I do. This is all that I offer. So um, if my memory doesn't fail me, what you said were, I'm just, I'm doing this right now. I'm saving money. I'm buying a building. <laughs> and I remember being, yeah. It's like, so, damn, he's buying a building. My, yeah, my, my goal is to, I want to purchase an apartment building for my daughter. Hmm. So, whatever it takes to get to that point, I want to have that building to actually help pay for her education, start her off so that she doesn't have to pinch pennies and, That'll be my contribution to her. So she'll have she'll have money coming to her for the rest of her life as long as she keeps that property and she can choose what she will to do with it. But the rent from that property can pay for education and I don't have to work so hard. I'll have something else working, another vehicle working for me. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's a very cool way to look at it. You know, it's it's I, I think the pandemic has shown everybody in the production world that you know, you have to have a passion for this to be able to do it, you know, um, and, yeah. and we don't really do it. I mean, obviously, we all got to get paid, right? I mean, it is it is a job, but we wouldn't have chosen something as hard as this that in the grand scheme of things for the amount of work you do, the pay is very low. And I don't care what level you're at. The pay is is low for how much work you put in, but it's because of the passion of it. We love it, you know, so that's, yeah. that's why we do it. But it's also showed us that uh, something that we never really realized before is how volatile it is. There was always another gig. There was always something else you could do, but the pandemic really kind of stopped all of that. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people are, are looking at it and it's like, yes, you know, I'm passionate about this and I want to keep doing this, but <laughs> I need to make sure that no matter what, it, you know, if something crazy happens again, I, I have something else going on. And that's, that's hard for a lot of people, but it sounds like you're really focused on, you know, being able to diversify, you know, and, and where even before all this started. So that's, that's really well, cool. Well, and I guess the question is, if you're, if you're doing that and, and, and you're generating other revenues of income does that does that allow you to be more selective in what you pick on the on the sound yeah absolutely yeah um and i think the the benefit of moving forward is that i think there's gonna be an influx of work so now you can you can really be selective about what you take versus just saying oh, I, i need this to to be to be active i think there's going to be an influx so uh, i'll definitely be more selective especially with regards to how long um, i'm gone out of town uh, because ultimately i do want to be here with my family and be available i mean i've i've missed my daughter's like first steps and first words and all that you know so that doesn't feel good of course and she's getting older so i want to just be available and Ultimately, I don't. I don't want to be the guy that's on tour when I'm when I'm 50 years old. <laughs> hmm. So um, long term, I want to kind of get really get rooted in real estate and, and have that kind of work for me and do what I can. Be, be more selective about what I do audio wise yeah. instead of it being my primary source. That's that's an interesting take. You know, there's there's been a lot of talk about how much once everything you know comes out of this world ending event for production, you know, and, and we've talked about how everybody, there's going to be this huge amount of work and how many people are going to be available for this work because, you know, nobody really understands. And I don't want to get into the whole speculation of things, but you know, my, my perception of it is that there is going to be a whole lot of work because so many people want to go see shows and they're super, you know, ready for all of this. So there's going to be all this work and hopefully most of the people who are in this industry will come back to it. But I'd never really thought about the people who are in a good position being able to be a little more selective 
active and maybe there being some bidding things like I don't want to say bidding war. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you could yeah, you could actually step up and go, no, I want to do this gig. And if you want me to be on this gig, this is what it's going to take to make that happen. And you can get more you know, out of it and ultimately be in a better position. I'd never really thought about that. That's a, that's a really good take on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can, I already see it happening. And even, I know a lot of people that have gone and taken a regular quote unquote, regular job. Mm -hmm. And just says, since it's so volatile, I'm just going to leave it alone altogether. So, I mean, you have those that have fallen out, you have those that are looking to get in. Um, but it's definitely, I, I feel this is, this is going to be an influx of work. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Now, the other thing I wanted to touch base and 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 um that I've noticed through the years playing music and and being on stage and you might see a lot of diversity on a stage. Um, and I, I do live in Texas, so you do see some wide diversity on the on the on the sound side behind the scenes um you have the latino guy here and there you know you don't see that many black dudes on the sound side on the mm -hmm. on the on the engineering side um yeah. do you feel that be, be being being a black dude yourself and being the sound guy um do you feel are you do you feel alone um or do you see more people that look like you and do you I guess I always wonder why is that, you know? What is, is there a particular reason um or is that something that that a solution to it, you know? How how can we can you be diversified, you know? Um and yeah. I'm saying do you have all the answers? Please tell me now. <laughs> <laughs> um well I mean I think for the most part people at least uh black people more so gravitate towards per towards music production or uh, being a musician mm -hmm. and not not as many people gravitate towards the engineering side now i will say that i have people in my circle like for example i mentioned kyle hamilton he engineers for janet jackson and pharrell williams and the list goes on uh chris lee j-lo uh, Sophia Carson, uh, Jeremy Peters, like I know guys that pretty much are very successful, black men who are who are very successful working with A-list artists. So they're out there. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. They may not get as much exposure, but I know a friend of mine engineers for Kehlani, who's who's pretty big right now. So yes, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's out there. Um, but I mean, it's still, yeah, it's definitely dominated. We don't dominate the industry, but we're, we're present. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I would say from my perspective, you know, and, and on my side of the fence, I've seen way more dudes of color than I have, uh, you know, women in this industry. We had our, our oh, first, yeah. our first episode was with Willa Snow, uh, you know, and she works oh, with yeah. sound girls and, you know, all of that business. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's a, I, while again, as the, the white male on this, uh, you know, like it is, it, it for a long time was dominated, uh, by the, the white dudes, you know, but I have definitely seen in the last 10 or 15 years, a much bigger movement, uh, for the dudes of color than, than women, you know? So at least, you know, to what you're, what you're talking about, it's definitely, you know, there's definitely guys out there that are doing, you know, serious work. So, yeah. And women, like I'll give a big shout out to women. Like a lot of women are up and coming like, right now, mm -hmm. um, getting a lot of work, man. A lot of artists, especially female artists are hiring like all female musicians or all mm -hmm. female crew. Yeah. So they're, they're looking to even give women a chance and, and more exposure. I've been I've been noticing in Austin, I've talked to some of the production companies and they've, they've actually have had more women just walk into the warehouse looking for a job, like just walk in and say, I'm in school, I'm ready to do something. How can I help you with Thank God. Yeah. sound companies that keep telling me the same thing? Um, it's, it's really cool because it wasn't um, it, like you said, it was very random. You will see yeah. uh, that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not it's not like the most glamorous job and there's 
there's a lot of hard work involved. So for like women to to uh, excel as an engineer, like it's it's even that more um, of, that more of an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have to put up with so much. You know, I mean, so many dudes. I know, I know. And I'll never forget when I was working at a, a club here in in Dallas called Trees. Um, the first time that uh, a touring band came through with a with a female monitor engineer, you know, and I was talking to her, I was like, "So, how much crap do you get on a daily basis?" She's like, Psh, "You have no idea. I'm I'm the girlfriend every time I walk in the door." And and it, she said she said guys just laugh at her. It's like, "Oh, honey, that's funny." No, seriously, where's the monitor engineer? I mean, can you imagine having to put up with that kind of crap every day? I cannot, you know, that would, that's insult to injury. You know? Willa told me once I will cut you and I know she meant it. Boy, she did. <laughs> <laughs> she did. Well, I have a question that I've actually, I, I think I want to start asking this on the, on the regular of people. It, it occurred to me today while I was driving and dealing with a, with an issue, um, so we all have those days, right, where something just goes horribly south and, and you have to, it's all pear-shaped, you know, and, and you have to fight through it. So is there a particular instance, and you don't have to go into graphic detail or name <laughs> any names or anything, but like, what was that day that you remember where you were just like, oh my God, I can't believe I managed to pull this out of the fire? Oh, man. Oh. Uh. Pull it out of the fire or crash and burn. <laughs> I mean, if, if it's a crash and burn story and you're comfortable with it, I would love to hear that too. Cause I got tons of those, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> um, yeah. it's a tough one. Well, I'll start with the crash and burn. Cause I mean, everybody wants to hear those too. <laughs> right. Um, at a, at an instance where, uh, the playback during sound check, it was functional. And then five, 10 minutes before showtime, let me hear the playback again, just to make sure I'm, I'm seeing and hearing it, like no signal whatsoever. So I changed like the snake, I changed the inputs. I'm like changing everything, like something's wrong here. And it turned out that you just had to restart the session because it had been idle for too long. So we, we literally like lost the whole show because we couldn't perform without the tracks. Oof. So that was a crash and burn situation. But now I know once you once you finish the sound set, don't touch it. Leave it alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but <laughs> um as far as how did I do pull you, that off? Do you carry playbacks on a phone now just in case? <laughs> no, but I, I definitely need to have more backup situation going. Um As far as how do we pull that off, I would probably say, man, the whole Coachella thing with the Sunday service, that was that was a how how do we pull that off situation because the requests were just ridiculous. Um, trying to manage signal for like I said, 150 singers in the middle of the desert. It was <laughs> quite an accomplishment. So I Every time yeah. you say that out loud, I just start shaking my head. Like in my brain, I can't, I just can't wrap my brain, my production brain around 160 singers at Coachella. You know, <laughs> like how, how is that a thing that happens? Who expects that to happen? Oh, well, Kanye West, <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's, that's all I can think of. Were they on, 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 well, they were wired, correct? Yeah. Everybody was wired. So it was like an RF cluster. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, just checking, just checking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, you can only imagine. It was, it was intense. Um, the la actually, uh, I think this was back in maybe February. I was working with an artist and she wanted a acrylic piano for a music video. And this was like around the time that football season was just starting up. Mm -hmm. It may have been before October, whenever whenever that was. But um, I know Alicia Keys tried to get an acrylic piano for her Super Bowl performance, and she couldn't get one. So I'm like, Alicia can't get one. There's no way I'm going to be able to pull it off and get one. So I gave up. I called the production. I'm like, I can do a, 
I can do a black or white or I can wrap a piano any color that you like, but I can't do a, a, a acrylic. But she said, I really want acrylic. It was uh, Ava Max. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with her. But, um, yeah, so I ended up calling uh, a, a manufacturer. And they had an acrylic piano on, on their website. And I said, by any chance, you guys rent out this piano? They said, yeah, but only for, like, video shoots or really large productions. I'm like, oh, okay, perfect. I have a video shoot. So they end up shipping the piano and got the like the brand recognition um, for that. But that was that was pretty big. But I wouldn't have had that experience if I didn't do like the Sunday service and kind of like dug a little bit deeper to really go through resources and see what's available. I probably would have given up on that and said I can't do it. <laughs> I I think that's the quote of the podcast. If Alicia can't get it, ain't no way I'm getting it. I wonder if Alicia saw that. I wonder if Alicia Keys saw that and we're like, right. <laughs> I'll, send, I'll send you the video too, because the way it, the way the video was shot, it was um, the floor and walls were all LED, so you you were able to see the images through the piano, but it totally made sense. So I, I get it now. Should just but it was the Beastie a, Boys, right? That was a Kawhi <laughs> piano. I, I just went on Kawhi's website and. And luckily, I was able to like reach a live person. They say, "Yeah, we can make this happen for you." So, wow! I just Pretty. found out who Ava Max was two days ago because I was in a hotel for the first time in a year and turned the TV on, and she was on a talk show in the morning before I head out to a meeting. So oh, okay, I feel yeah, she, cool. has a little, she has a little bit of buzz right now. So I feel cool because I know who Ava Max is. There you go. <laughs> Again, old guy here. I have no idea. No, well, there you go. <laughs> all right well anthony it was really cool we really appreciate you being on the show you know that's uh you, you brought some really interesting perspectives uh to this uh this is something that we uh a, a couple of the things you talked about you know we we really haven't had anybody talk about on the show as far as you know the the alternate revenue streams and and that kind of thing it's been really interesting so i really appreciate you being on here man it, it was very good to meet you Nobody has talked about it. Nobody has talked about 150 vocal mics in this show. Yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> I'm glad I, that happened. I'm still just mind blown. Yeah, man. I appreciate you guys and I appreciate what you guys are doing. That's very cool, man. Well, thanks for being on here and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you, man. Right, you guys take care. Take care.